welcome back to the next episode of Pop Topic. We're here to discuss all things movies, and of course, for this podcast, all things Barbenheimer. We're here to talk about all the latest trends and stories over the course of the last few weeks and help break everything down. We have Tristan. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Doing great. How are you? I, you know, can't complain, especially now, you know, as movie fans, this is probably as exciting as it gets. <laughs> like, we rarely have events that everybody that I know is checking out, uh, and that seems to be the case with Barbenheimer, or more specifically Barbie, I think, is the one that pretty much everyone and their mom is checking out. But, you know, this is this is pretty exciting times. It is, yeah. It's almost like Super Bowl weekend for movie fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They should have more events like this. You know, this, this is rare, but it should be more common. I do like, think I with happens. the success of this one, we're going to see a lot more of this happening. We're, I think... I think studios are going to start do, trying to do this on purpose, trying to capture the magic of uh, Barbenheimer. Yeah, I don't really think it's going to work when it's forced. No, um, it will not work, but they're going to try for the next five years, I guarantee you. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The fact that both these movies that people probably didn't think were going to be as successful as they obviously were, um, yeah, I definitely think they're going to credit most of that to just the fact that barbenheimer became such a thing which obviously is a reason why it was so successful but i also just think mostly in barbie's case i just think they just made it an event right everybody had to wear pink they had all the big displays when you came into the theaters to take pictures yeah. with like they made an event out of it i think they that's made what they should take the away fun. yeah that's what they should take away from it like maybe have like themes or have some like big displays and get people excited to want to I'll take photos yeah. together and dress up. Like, that's fun. Like, that's why Star Wars like was gentle big. Minions, but a little more organized. Yeah, like, yeah, more organized gentle minions. Uh, th- like, that's why Star Wars was popular way back uh, in the 80s, right? Everyone was dressing up as Star Wars. Like, I feel like that's just a thing people like to do. And we just haven't, we, we rarely do it. Yeah, I-, I think we will see a lot more of that. Or hopefully we'll see a lot more of that. Yeah, I, I think especially the double features i think that's going to be more planned by studios but yeah hopefully they also just make it more of an event make it more fun for people yeah barbie's marketing was top tier some of the best movie marketing we've seen in a while it might actually be the best marketing i've seen in quite a few years for any film like i I think they really killed it like it's up there with deadpool you know for for great movie marketing yeah that used to always be my go-to for modern marketing uh i think we kind of have a new one like this is just a really fun one to talk about it's just crazy how uh, how well they kind of played the market there. And it had the biggest opening weekend for any film of this year. It beat Mario, so maybe we finally found a film that might actually make more money than Mario at the end they of this can do thing. It. Yeah, I uh, thought it was impossible, but uh, now it looks very possible. It's, uh, it's doing very well. And what are your thoughts? Oh, yes, you've already discussed your thoughts on the Barbie movie in the last... The Barbie podcast there, but tell me, what are, what are your thoughts here on the Barbie movie, Quentin? Yeah, exactly. We're we're releasing a Nolan ranking. Uh, well, that's already going to be released by the time this podcast is released. And then I'm also releasing a Barbie ranking a few days after this one. So, you know, you'll hear my thoughts, all things Nolan and Barbie. But let's still talk about both movies because uh, they really are the crowning story of the last few weeks. We can also talk about Mission Impossible. Have you seen that one yet, Trust? I have, yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so we can talk about all three because, you know, that one's pretty much gone to the wayside, but it's still yeah. one of the biggest films of the summer that, you know, is kind of forgotten because it literally came out a week before Barbenheimer, which was a really bad call by the studio. Like, that just... Yeah, it dropped down to fourth place this past weekend. Killed momentum. Uh, yeah. It's going to keep dropping every week. Like, I, that's tough. 
But uh, yeah, we could definitely talk about all things Barbenheimer first. I thought Barbie was great. I think it's just a genuinely fun time that honestly, you don't really get as much in theaters anymore. Maybe that's why it was such an event. People could dress up. It was exciting because it was fun. I feel like very few films are so funny and so light. They're all blues and grays and, you know, take itself very seriously. And this film had no problems poking fun at itself. We had the model, you know, we had like the little narrator joking about Margot Robbie not being the right cast for this film. Like there's so many moments where the film is kind of just poking fun at itself and just kind of in on the joke and just having fun. It's breezy, it's light, yet it still has like some themes that are, you know, very prevalent to today. So it's not just like something you can throw in and forget about. It's fun, yet it's actually like something to discuss with people. So it kind of has a perfect mix of both. I thought it was probably the funniest film I've seen in theaters in quite some time. Like my theater was laughing. It was a really fun experience to sit with a bunch of people and everybody was laughing. Like it was really, really fun. Yeah, we've said it before, and we'll say it again, we don't get too many comedies anymore. And finally, we got a really good blockbuster comedy. Hopefully, this will inspire more studios to take more risks with bigger budget comedies or just straight comedies in general. It didn't need to be an action comedy or anything else. It was just a funny film. It was fantastic. I had a great time with it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, people say straight comedies can't work anymore because the culture today, people are so sensitive That's about so everything. But it's like this movie proves that like, you don't have to make fun of like a certain demographic or poke fun at anybody when you're just like, you could just be light breezy and have fun. Like Ken was hilarious. I thought, uh, Michael Sarah's Allen was really, really funny. Like, I just think the film was just a really fun time. I, and Margaret Robbie was fantastic. So you great cast overall. Yeah. I, you really don't need to have to make fun of anybody to make a good comedy and this film proves it we should be having more comedies nowadays it's kind of a shame that uh, we don't and i guess no hard feelings also came out this summer so we are getting some more comedies than i guess we normally do i don't know if that's right as well that's true yeah yeah joyride came out did you see that one trust i have yeah i haven't seen no hard feelings but i've seen joyride yeah same i haven't Uh, seen no hard feelings but i've seen joyride as well i wasn't as big of a fan on joyride i enjoyed it i liked it but yeah no it was uh it was fine it was no barbie but it was good Right, yeah, I didn't really think it was as funny, but I thought the story was pretty, was pretty fun, and I, you know, all four girls were great, so can't complain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, maybe we are steering back towards comedies. Uh, if this year has anything to say, uh, this year feels like an outlier for a lot of things, though. Like it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, now. but I do think we're heading towards smaller budgets, which could bring us towards more comedies because yeah. typically comedies don't have large budgets or don't need to. Yeah, I think we're definitely heading back towards closing the budgets down a bit that's been the lesson of this year like every film that had a big budget they did not get their money back they just had stupid budgets it's thing. crazy it's stupid i don't know how they they can only get so money. big before they they fail you know yeah and then the films that just had really good budgeting for their films but were still big blockbuster spectacles they're the ones that seem to come out on top so i feel like that's kind of the takeaway for at least on my point of view, and I feel like that's kind of the same point of view as the yeah. studios. It seems right around that $100 million budget kind of the sweet spot for, uh, for most of these sort of bigger budgeted films to still make a profit. Yeah. So do you have any other thoughts on Barbie? Yeah, one more thing about Barbie versus the production design. This is a lot for production design, not, right? Because the production design on this one was incredible. I loved everything, the way everything in the Barbie land looked. I thought all that was fantastic. I like the, the ambulance would open up like the old toy ambulance would. You know, everything in there was just like the old toy. 
rather than the actual real life representation of it. And that was fantastic. I love the production design of Barbie Land. Yeah, if we're talking about Oscars, I think production design and costumes are probably the two locks to win. Like, I really can't think of a film that could ever beat these. No. Beat this at yeah. either of those two awards because they're really, really good. <laughs> like you said, it everything from the costumes into the production design of Barbie Land, it feels like a, you know, a girl's playground, right? Like, they're just playing with these toys, and you can just imagine this being their world. Like, it's really visually stunning. It's crazy how good it looks. I kind of thought, you know, you, you saw a few, trailer or two, you kind of get the gimmick, but, like, every little thing in this movie is made really, really well. Like you said, with the ambulance and pretty much everything opens up and feels like you're literally just watching a girl play with toys. It's really cool how they could do that with live action. That's something that I would think would only work for animation, but Greta Gerwig did a great job with that. Oscar-wise, uh, is there any other nominations do you think this film could potentially win uh, in regards to the Oscars? I don't think win, but do you think it, do you think you get like the screenplay nom or the uh, acting noms for Ryan Gosling and uh, Margot Robbie? I don't yeah. think they're going to win for sure, but I think the noms are a possibility. I think Ryan Gosling has a chance to win for Best Supporting Actor. Do you, you think it's going to come guess. down between him and Robert Downey Jr.? Or Barbara uh, Heimer? Yeah, maybe. maybe. I, I think I, if I were to put money on one of those two to win, I would put more money on Ryan Gosling right now. Really? Right? Yeah, I think this is kind of like Robert Downey Jr.'s comeback. Like, oh my god, he's back. Like, we finally got him back in film. Like, he's incredible. I thought Robert Downey Jr. was really good. But Ryan Gosling's like, he's one of the best actors that we have going on in the last decade, and he has never won, and he's been nominated a lot of times, and this is kind of his return. Do you think Barbie's the movie that's going to win it for him? I, th I think it's just like a really fun comedy. Uh, it's just a really, really fun performance. I think the Oscars might just do it. They kind of, I think they want to award Barbie as much as possible because it's the biggest film of the year right now. But they normally don't care about that. They don't care what the big films are. They never award big films. Well, you know, like I think the last few years they've been leaning towards more like rewarding the big films uh, that are that do have artistic merit to maybe bring in more viewers. Like, oh, hey, check out the Oscars. You can see if uh, Barbie gets some wins. Like they did that with Dune, and then the last year they did it with Avatar and Top Gun. Like they they have big films that get a lot of noms and a few wins to to maybe spark some news headlines. Like, oh, this you know. Barbie, the film everybody saw, it won three Oscars to maybe get some conversations going like, oh, wow, the Oscars awarded my favorite film because I saw that one. That's the only one I saw. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think they like make their decision purely off of if it's popular or not. But I think if they're going to award a performance and they clearly love Ryan Gosling because he's really young and he's been nominated quite a few times already. You know, I, I think he has a chance. And I, I think his performance is really good. The only thing that i think might push away from it is it's a film about female power and femininity and to have a guy win the oscar i don't know if maybe to, to like if the only winner uh like if greta gerwig doesn't get any wins for directing her screenplay and then if margot robbie doesn't get a win for lead actress but then ryan gosling gets the win for lead uh, for supporting actor maybe they don't maybe want that to be the headline like, yeah yeah maybe yeah. maybe they'll steer them away from it a even though Alan and Ken were my favorite characters by far. I thought they were hilarious. Uh, they're easily the funniest. I, I'll agree with that. I, I really liked Margot Robbie's character. I think she might just be my favorite overall character. Like, I thought she was incredible. But yeah, easily the funniest were, yeah, were uh, Ryan Gosling and Michael Sarah. Those two were really funny in the film. 
So how many nominations do let's just make a crazy prediction. How many noms do you think it's gonna get overall? How well do you think it's gonna do at the Oscars? I think it's gonna get like five noms, Mike. Five Maybe noms? So. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I'll uh I'll guess I'll guess four nominations. I I, I think four? it's gonna get nominated for costume, production design, Ryan Goslin, and Best Picture, and then I'll think it I think it's gonna win two of the four. That's my that'll be my guess. Yeah, I said five. I can see it possibly getting a uh, giving Greta Gerwig the director nom, and maybe the also the screenplay. I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those two. That's true. Yeah, it be it would be nice to reward Greta somehow. I, I could see screenplay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think she'll probably get one of the noms uh, for one of those. Not both for sure, but I think one of the categories. I think they'll probably give her the nom. In. And is it is it, this, is it adapted or original? Screenplay? That's what I was about. Yeah, I was about to ask that. Is it adapted or original? Because it's a purely original story but it's based off the toy barbie so i i think yeah, but the, but barbie doesn't have a screenplay though right like, like or anything how do you adapt just a toy right but like glass onion was nominated for adapted because it's based off of a previous character well, it was a sequel right so sequels are always adapted it's based off another movie or you know continuation of another film this one's based off a toy no, i'm not too sure uh maybe original but you can also argue there have been lots of other Barbie movies, right? So could one argue which is another? That's right. Yeah, I just did a ranking on sixteen of them. So yeah, yeah. there you go. That's true. That's it's based on, yeah, have... that's true. It's based off of a character from films already. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I think it'll be adapted. I have a feeling it's an adapted. I feel like they're very strict with that rule. But I think they're very stingy on the original screenplay yeah. category. <laughs> it's a really, really weird line they draw on original or adapted. I, I think. They should just come to me and ask me if I think it's adapted or original, and I'll I'll let them know. I agree. They should come to you, Quentin Phillips, and let him decide. Yeah, I, th- I think that should be the new rule, and I think it's original, so they should put it there. It, it's it's pretty original. Yeah, it feels really original. It feels weird to put it in, in adapted, but oh well. We can move on to Oppenheimer. Obviously, we talked about it during the Nolan ranking, but what was your thoughts going on with Oppenheimer as a whole? I think it's incredible. I thought it was fantastic. Another, I think this movie is going to get a lot more Oscar noms than Barbie is. I think this one's going to get a whole buttload. Um, how many will win? Probably around the same as Barbie, but it's going to get a lot of the noms. Uh, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I thought I thought Oppenheimer was incredible. One of Nolan's best work, and I was saying a lot for a filmmaker as acclaimed as he is. Uh, he has a lot of incredible films, and this is a yeah, this is his, his next greatest hit here. This is incredible. It's no Dark Knight, of course. We discussed that more in our Nolan ranking, but it's a uh, very good. What are your thoughts here on Oppenheimer, Quentin? Yeah, I love Oppenheimer. I, you know, as we discussed in the Nolan podcast, I think it's Nolan's best movie. I don't necessarily uh, still think it's my favorite. I, I would need to, you know, rewatch this and you know live with it for a few years to really see if it's my favorite. Uh, you know, it is a three-hour movie. I don't know how rewatchable it will be uh, in the Philipson household, but I think this is just his best-made movie. I. I think this is his most emotional film. Uh, you know, Nolan is a pretty cold guy. <laughs> I think this is uh, one of the better looking films he's ever made. I think the screenplay is just outstanding. I still keep thinking about three scenes from this movie, which I don't say often for movies that I just saw in theaters. I, you know, it doesn't really stick with you as much, but this one really did. I just think it's overall Nolan's achievement. And I think, like you said with the Oscars, I think it's going to get a boatload. Uh, I, well, I, I guess it depends on really how the Oscars react to it, because they're normally not big Nolan fans, even though I think this one is 
definitely the closest to being an Oscar-y film. It's definitely a biopic, and it's his most emotional film, which, you know, similar to myself, I think the Oscar voters react emotionally, so I think this would be one that they'll eat up a lot more than, say, Tenet. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think they'll like it, I really do, uh, but I can see them not loving it. I think this could go anywhere from six noms to like 12 noms. Like, I think it's, I, I can't really put my finger on the needle here on where they'll stand exactly. I think they'll either think it's really good and give it six or seven noms or they'll love it. And this will be the most nominated film for the year for the Oscars. I think it's going to be the most nominated film of the year. I don't think it's going to win a whole bunch, but I think it's going to be nominated in most of the categories. Right. Okay. So you're thinking more like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or like Irishman, yeah. where it gets exactly. a lot of noms exactly. and maybe gets yeah. one or two. I think it'll squeak out one or two wins. I hope Nolan gets the director win, but I don't know. We have to wait and see how else, you know, Killer of the Flower Moon and all the other big movies coming out are going to be. Yeah, I don't want to jump the gun here, but I think Oppenheimer, I really feel like it's either going to get director or best picture. I think it's going to get one. Like, I really That's feel bad. that. I really feel like they they realize this is their only chance to you to give Nolan a win, right? <laughs> like, Nolan's never won an yeah. Oscar before. He's been nominated no. a lot of times, and he's actually never won an Oscar. His films have won Oscars, but he oh, himself yeah. has never won an Oscar. Obviously, it's, they've won one for scores before and all of that jazz, but... Heath Ledger's won one, of course. Right, of course. But yeah, Nolan himself ha- ha- does not have an Oscar, and I feel like no. they have to give a one for this movie. The, the, this is the one that they look at and go, he did it. Like, this is the top of his achievement. Like, this is our chance to award him. And I think he's going to get either director or best picture. I don't think he's going to get both. I think they'll, they'll probably give best picture to maybe a film they really, really love if Oppenheimer isn't their jam. Or if they really love this movie, then maybe they'll give director to someone like Scorsese or someone that they haven't rewarded in like 15 years and they obviously love him. So I can see it going either way. If they love this movie or not, I think he's probably going to get his first oscar at least i hope so i think if he doesn't get one this year i've I've said it on the nolan podcast if he doesn't get an oscar for oppenheimer i don't think nolan's ever get an oscar i think this is this is his chance that that just feels wrong you know he's such a good filmmaker to never receive an oscar come on yeah well there's a lot of huge directors that have never won an oscar it's hard for a director to win an oscar yeah because there's really only one category and that's best director unless they're also producer then they have to win best picture Right, and those are two of, if not the two hardest categories to win. It's it's tough to, to win one, unless they wrote the movie as well. Oh, good point. Yeah, unless they're, but then you have to be a writer, right? At that point, right. not, not all directors are writers, right? But yeah, like David Fincher has never won an Oscar. Uh, has Stanley Kubrick did has he Villeneuve? ever won an Oscar? I don't know. Has Villeneuve? Uh, Villeneuve hasn't. Now, I didn't think so. Yeah, a lot of great directors. It's tough to get a director. Yeah. Oscar. yeah, yeah. there's a lot of incredible directors that haven't won an Oscar yet. Uh, we'll see if Nolan's one of them. Uh, honestly, by the end of this year, uh, I, I think I could confidently tell. If, if he doesn't win one for this, like, he could make every what great movie ever. But yeah, like, what more can you do? Like, this is as close to the Oscar wheelhouse as he's going to get, and it's beloved. Like, this is financially successful. Which is always a big help, right? Like, you know, if a film is financially successful and it's a real critical hit, like, this should be a big hit with the Oscars, but we'll see, you know? They don't like it, they don't like it. There's not much we can do. Um, Which ones do you think are a lock for Oppenheimer, if you could confidently guess right now? For nominations? Yeah, for nominations, Uh, or for wins. 
I think they're also getting the, the production design nom, although I don't think they're going to win. I think Barbie's going to win it. Uh, I think they're probably also getting the costume one as well. Um, and then they're getting a uh, screenplay. I think lead actor, supporting actor, supporting actress, director, best picture, score for sure. They're almost certainly going to win that, I would hope. Yeah, there's a couple. Oh, special effects uh, for the bomb explosion, of course. I think they'd probably win that. Well, how many is that so far? Like eight? I think I'm missing a couple of obvious ones. Any obvious ones I'm missing there, Quentin? Yeah, you're missing... Oh, editing. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You're missing the one that I think it's locked to win, and that's sound. Uh, this is easily winning sound. Oh, right. I said, I said score, but score, sound's yeah. another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound and score, yeah, yeah. Of yeah, if I could guess what ones it's winning right now, I would say score, sound, and editing. I think those three yeah, are... Yeah, score, sound, and editing. I think those seem to be the three biggest achievements for this film. Like, it, it's, it's incredible. And if it wasn't for Barbie, I think they'd have a hell of a shot at production design. But I think Barbie's sick. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, but yeah, Barbie's got it. I just really want to point out this editor of Oppenheimer. Are you familiar with Jennifer Lane? No. So she's the editor for this film. And she's like a really new editor. She's only been editing films recently. Uh, first of all, she's done the editing for four Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig joints. Like she's been involved oh. with Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach for most of her career at the beginning, which is funny that this is competing with Barbie. So yeah. I just think that's really funny that she has a history on the other side of Barbenheimer. Uh, and then her three most recent films that she's edited, aside from Marriage Story, because that was a Noah Baumbach film, she helped with that. But she's, she's edited Hereditary, Tenet, and Oppenheimer. Oh, wow. Which are like three incredibly edited films. Like some of the best editing in the last five or so years. So it's kind of crazy that Jennifer Lane uh, obviously did an incredible job with Oppenheimer, but like honestly, anything she is involved with, I'm I'm gonna have a yeah. lot of faith in. Like she seems to be really great at editing these films. Like she's really talented. I just wanted to maybe give her. I just wanted to give her a shout out because I was amazed at how yeah. many films she's done and so one recent. Those, like that's pretty much all she's done. One of those important roles in the uh, movie making process that you don't hear too many names from. Yeah, like nobody really knows the name of Jennifer no. Lane, and they should because those are three incredibly edited films. Obviously, she wouldn't have got the nomination for Hereditary or Tenet because one was not financially successful and the other is a horror film. So, yeah. you know, it, like the Oscars would never recognize those two. But films. it's a really good movie. Yeah, and they're both really well edited. Like they should have, yeah, uh, like they should have well. recognized both of those. To be honest with you, so I hope she gets her first nomination this year. Like I'm really rooting for her because I just think I think I, I think she's I think she's gonna win. But like I, I hope oh, so. Right. That this is huge for an editor's career to win the Oscar oh, for editing. Yeah. Like she's no, gonna be offered editing, a lot. of Editing prizes. a Nolan film would probably be huge for most editors' career. Like that's true. And she's she and she's edited the last two. Like that's that's great. Yeah. That that's really good. That Nolan has put that much faith with her. And also, the score for this film, the cinematography, like, Nolan has some strong hitters in these categories. And they're recon well-recognized uh, members of the, you know, they're well-recognized artists in the industry. So I think it has a chance at winning some of these for the Oscars. Like, these are people that have been known for doing big projects in the past. They're well-recognized in their field, at least. So maybe they can win some, some more Oscars. We'll see how well it does. Uh, but you're right, it could just end up just taking one or two wins. We'll see. And if it does, it's definitely getting sound and score. I think those are the two that are yeah, kind of guaranteed. But overall, that is Oppenheimer. We can also talk about Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. What was your thoughts on that film? I thought it was great. That was a lot of fun. Great action movie. 
Tom Cruise action movies just hit different. You know, they're great. They they always slap. I really like this one. Probably one of my favorite ones in the uh, Mission Impossible franchise. I really like the uh, the antagonist being the sort of ominous digital threat. So anything that's connected to computer system is basically free reign for the bad guy to control. I thought I thought all that was real cool. I really enjoyed it. I think they released it at a silly, silly time. I would never have put it a week before Barbenheimer, uh, and it got swept away from the juggernaut. It, it got destroyed in the box office, but that's unfortunate, because it was a good movie. It just got lost in the shuffle here, the Barbenheimer excitement. Yeah, I did a Mission Impossible ranking as well, so you know, I, I'm ranking all these franchises, uh, and on that podcast, I already kind of went over all of my issues with the movie. I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I, I thought it was perfectly fine. You know, it was it was good. Did you rank it in your uh, Mission Impossible ranking? Uh, it's my second least favorite. Whoa, really? Yeah, it's better than Mission Impossible too. You know, like that's that's no question. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, it's fine. I like it. Uh, it's more spectacle than story because I think. I disagree with the AI thing. I thought that was a horrible idea. I just don't think it worked at all in the world of Really? Mission I Impossible. enjoyed that. I thought that was a good antagonist. I thought it was fun. I like villain monologues. I like, you know, Tom Cruise actually fighting the villain and like throwing fists and, you know, like the actual cat and mouse chase and him chasing the villain is more exciting to me than like, like, what? He's chasing after. The cybernet, like, you know, he's not physically chasing someone. He's chasing, like, the guy's, like, sidekick who's, like, a human embodiment of the AI. I don't know. The, the whole AI thing doesn't really work. If, if it's all-knowing and what? It knows every move Tom Cruise is making? Well, then how come Tom Cruise is, like, outsmarting it every now and then? If it has already predicted every single outcome? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense if you think about it for more than half a second. But, like, the action's mm-hmm. fun. And, like, the performances yeah. are fun. Uh, but you know, it's the longest movie and it's a half a movie. Like it's just not my thing. Yeah, like, it is. It is real long. Like it's easily the longest one, and you can really tell during some scenes. You're like, oh yeah, they're really trying to pad some time out because they realize they only have part one of a story. Like it's you know, you feel yeah, it. It's 15 minutes shorter than Oppenheimer, but it's only half a movie. And Oppenheimer covers like 30 years of historical relevance in three hours. Um, it really puts in perspective how much time they're kind of just wasting the Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. Yeah, it just ends with like a monologue of like, we got to take it down. And I was like, okay, well, I'll see you in two more years, I guess. Like, you know, it's fine. Also, the fact that I really don't like the AI story is my least favorite Mission Impossible story. And the fact that this is part one. So I already know that in two years time when they make the new one, I'm already not going to be thrilled about the story. Like, that's a bummer. Like, I'm not even like, like, <laughs> I already know what the next story is. They could do something cool with it. Yeah, that's true. I guess they could change it up. Um, it was fine. At first, when I heard the AI, I was like, oh, okay, this is an interesting idea. Okay, like, I was down for it. I just don't know if it was really executed the best. Like, if it's all-knowing, and it knew, it knows, it's calculate every single odd that Tom Cruise is going to make, like, the whole film kind of loses all stakes, because, like, the villain already has programmed exactly what's going to happen. Like, I don't know. I, I, kinda, I kind of like that. Like, it predicts, you know, Tom Cruise's best move. So he has to do, you know, sort of the second best move hoping that the AI won't predict kind of thing. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, maybe I'll like it more uh, when I watch the second one. Like, you know, maybe it'll kind of come full circle. But one thing I thought about, um, actually, so I didn't think about when I watched Mission Impossible. I also watched Indiana Jones last oh. week. Have you seen Indiana Jones? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Um, didn't really care for it. It wasn't, overall, wasn't Ooh. very good. The action-to-adventure ratio was not, not right for an Indiana Jones film, that's for sure. 
Damn. Um, and, but it, there, there was a fight, a big, one of the big action scenes in the Indiana Jones movie was a fight on a train. And it got me thinking, how many action movies this year have fights on trains? Why has this become such a thing? Mission Impossible had one, Indiana Jones had one, Spider-Verse has one, I believe Fast X has one. It's Fast X. There's so many action movies nowadays. Uncharted just last year had a big one, of course. What are with all the action movies having fights on trains? Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe the higher ups are just big train fans. They're just big right? train fans. Yeah, yeah, they're just big supporters of public transportation. I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're all rich, right? They're probably like, man, what do like the poor people relate to? You yeah, know, right. they, what, what were they like? They they take they take the subway like like they take trains you know yeah. that's what the people like you know that's like a poor even, person even like vehicle scream. even scream six had action movies on subways i mean that's the same thing as a train yeah like, what's with all these movies having action scenes on trains it's just a train in the ground it's the same thing same thing yeah, yeah. i guess they all watched like spider-man 2 and thought that's genius that's yeah they, they literally all watched at the same time yeah, Hollywood had like a Spider-Man two showing, and all the executives were sitting down at the exact same time. They were like, "Fuck, we well, got to train." They just they just put on Spider-Man two. Like, yeah, yeah, that must be it. I mean, uh, I yeah, do I'm like action sure. scenes on trains, but it it's it's like every other action or most action movies that come out nowadays. It seems like has a has a fight scene on a train. Trains are pretty cool. I have not seen the Indiana Jones movie. I have seen the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. That I know Ooh, you, I'm excited uh, for that one. I know you haven't seen that because it's not actually out yet. Uh, but it'll be out by the time the podcast comes out. And I recommend anyone go see it. It's a really great family film. That was that that was a good time. It was the first time I saw a film in the pre-screening because I I also got the pre-screening for the Mission Impossible movie actually. Um, but normally when I see a film on the pre-screen, I don't know why. But I always don't really like. I'm always kind of disappointed. Similar to Mission Impossible, I'm like, eh, you know, like I kind of want to watch a good movie before everyone, just to feel like I got to step above everyone. But like, you know, they're, they're, they're all fine. I don't really care for one. But this is like the first time. Like, it, it's a great time. It's a really like honestly, animation this year, out of this world. It, great year for animation. Crazy year for animation. It's a strong year. year. Crazy step up. I. I can't believe how many animated films are in my top 10 already. Like, really great stuff. This one's super fun. Uh, you guys will love it. Uh, yeah, it honestly, I was watching it and I kept thinking, I was like, fuck, my brothers are going to fucking love this. <laughs> this, yeah, this is a yeah, good movie. So and the animation looks great. I saw one trailer when, I think it was before a uh, Transformers. I saw a trailer for it and the animation looks incredible. I love the way the animation style looks. And I know Seth Rogen, he wrote it, right? He wrote and produced it? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you got I gotta have faith in that. That's gonna be good. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's really good. Uh, Andrea watched it with me. She cried during the theater. So you know, yes. unbelievable. I cried to some animated turtles, but a, a really cute film. I think, honestly, I'm not a big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle guy. So you know, maybe I'm just shooting out of left field here. But I think having the turtles actually feel like they're teens, like they're just young and they sound young right like it's not voiced by adults like they actually it actually feels like we're just it's like a coming of age film it's like we're actually watching teens try and discover the world together like that's great i feel like that's kind of what was missing in the other teenage mutant ninja turtle movies to actually yeah. make them feel like they're just teens like it's a kid Some adaptations do that better than others uh like i think the original one does it pretty all right like the, the one they're in costumes 
Uh, but right. for sure, like the TMNT movie that you and I watched when we were growing up, yeah. that one that one doesn't do it well at all. That one they're just like super. And then the new ones, the Michael Bay ones. No, nah, once again, those the, the very first one was a decent movie, but they didn't they didn't nail the the teenage part of the mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I, I thought that really worked. I thought that worked really well. Uh, it was a great film, honestly. I uh, I think everybody should check it out. Pretty funny, you know, not as funny as Barbie, but still pretty funny. Honestly, it's been a good few weeks for movies. Honestly, we did it. I, I thought I've been. I think last podcast for Pop Topic, I was kind of like the guy, you know, blowing the sad trumpet, like, oh man, this year's kind of a bummer. Like, there's not really that many good movies. And then look at this, Mission Impossible, which you know I wasn't a fan of, but still everybody else loved it. So great film. Oppenheimer, Barbie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What a great fucking year. You know, we're back, baby. We only needed two good weeks. Yeah. It really turned around quickly there for yeah, yeah, that was a good fucking two weeks. You know, I'm on a high again. This is a great year. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. vibing now. And just as you're starting to feel good, Clinton, everything else gets delayed until next year because of the strike. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, there's no more good movies coming out for, like, at least another two months. So, yeah. Might and as well keep watching Barbenheimer. Like, doesn't get delayed. Yeah. Yeah, Dune 2 is rumored to get delayed. Yeah, a, a lot of good-looking movies are possibly moving back uh, due to the strike. Uh, which, honestly, if that's what they need to do, that's, that's what they need to do. We have the actors and the writers all on strike pretty much over at Hollywood. So, like, they need to get their shit figured out. Like, they need to get the story out pretty quick. Because every month they're still out on strike, like, there's going to be no movies coming out next year, basically. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like... All the big movies that are slated to come out in like January, February, like March kind of area, like Deadpool three mm-hmm. per se, they all got they're all stalled. None of them are, are are filming right now, so they're not coming out Deadpool every March whenever they're supposed. To. There's no way. So um yeah, the, the movie studios are gonna be uh, hard up for film coming uh come the winter. Yeah, and I guess January, February, March. There's not a movie playing. There's not a movie playing. That's it's not, not the, a big deal. Yeah, it's not the most popular stuff. But if they don't get this sorted out by October. Yeah, if they don't get sorted out by like October or something, then we're not getting movies in April and May, which is kind of the start of the summer blockbuster. So they need to they need to get sorted out in the next couple of weeks, maybe a month tops. Uh, hopefully, they get all that sorted out over at Hollywood. It's it's kind of crazy how big this strike has gone. Like there's people that don't even follow the movies and they're like, oh yeah, I heard there's like a writer and actor strike. Like everyone knows. Oh, it's a huge story. It's massive. Did I tell you the story of us watching Barbie when me, obviously we did the Barbenheimer experience. It was like me, Andrea, and then like a bunch of the guys all going to see Barbie. And did we, did I tell you about how we were there right when the movie was starting? Like, you know, they were just finishing the last trailer and they're like showing like the Warner Brothers logo and we show up and our seats are in the middle of the Barbie theater. And so a, bunch of girls just decided to take our seats because they were like oh they're they're empty so they try to like snake our seats yeah and i was like you know the movie's just starting uh i'm not the kind of guy to kick some like 15 year old girls off their seat i don't care that much i'll just sit where their seat was supposed to be which is a little more off to the side it's not a huge deal it's not the worst seats in the world but well dog wasn't gonna have that that's not a well dog that's not a well dog move yeah yeah the rest of us we were (laughs) we're ready to just take our crappy seats on the side it's fine it's not a big deal we won't be able to sit together but it's okay 
a well dog was like no 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 so he like becomes like an usher of like the movie theater he like goes down the aisle and he's like can i see your ticket and they're like what, what do you mean and he's like oh i just want to see your ticket and they like show the ticket he's like oh see that is over there and he like points to some random spot in the theater and he's like kicking these girls out of their seats because it's boys night for barbie you know like exactly these, these poor girls opening night got kicked well i guess it was our seats to begin with but still exactly. <laughs> it was i couldn't help but laugh and then the funniest part to me i don't know why it was so funny to me but he kicks a bunch of the girls out but there's one girl that actually had a seat at the very end of that like grouping so what would have happened was that girl was sitting there and her friends just got tickets last minute and they didn't and they just got like shitty seats and she was like oh hey there's a bunch of seats beside me you guys just come like just come up and sit beside yeah. me like there's no one here so she was actually like that one of them actually had their seat there so welling sat right beside that girl i don't know i i, I don't know if he intentionally did that but it was the biggest power move ever he kicked all these <laughs> girls out we took the seats and he sat at the end so he could sit beside the girl who lost all of her friends for the barbie movie and i think welling laughed the loudest during the whole movie so so this poor girl has got this fully grown man just laughing beside her the entire time and she's like man she's probably like i miss my fucking friends like fuck this and guy I, i'm sure she loved watching it with well dog more than her friend <laughs> i don't know why i was so like man that was so funny to me what a power move just just kicked him all off and sat right at the end what a king because honestly those seats were pretty fucking good it was it was uh it was a good time yeah, our Barbie theater was packed, absolutely packed. Yeah, both of our theaters were packed for oh, Oppenheimer yeah, yeah, and Barbie. Yeah, yeah, the Oppenheimer it was actually a really somber moment because before the movie started, uh, this guy just walked up in the middle of the stage, and I was like, "Like, who the fuck is this dude?" And he just was like, "Oh yeah, I'm the owner of this Cineplex, uh, and I just wanted to thank everybody for coming out because we saw the IMAX 70 millimeter." And so he was like, right. I just wanted to thank all of you guys for coming out to see the 70 millimeter. I've worked with Cineplex for like 15, 20 years or whatever. And I've proudly had this Cineplex play like he named off like a bunch of movies in 70 millimeter, I guess. And he was telling us that this is the last film, the Edmonton, that Edmonton's going to play in 70 millimeter. So, oh, it's, wow. yeah. So he seemed like really bummed. Like clearly he like bought to get this movie yeah. for 70 millimeter. He was like telling us like, they really didn't want to get it because it's really expensive, but he like really pushed to get Oppenheimer seventy millimeter for Edmonton. Like this dude was passionate. Like it was it was a really like sad but like sweet moment. So yeah, it was kind of crazy that yeah the you know this was my first film in seventy millimeter, and uh, you know unless I like move to Toronto or something, this will be my last film in seventy millimeter. Yeah, I wish we could have saw it in seventy millimeter here. We didn't have that. We had we would have to go up to the other side of Toronto, be the closest one. Right. Which, yeah. It didn't seem worth it. So we watched an IMAX here. And and it was good for sure. It oh yeah, great. yeah. IMAX would be incredible. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, but yeah, I uh, I loved the seventy mil. It was really good. I'm debating seeing it a second time, but honestly, like in two weeks, it's still playing in seventy millimeter IMAX. But it's like already almost booked in like two weeks from now. It's crazy wow. how how packed uh, the seventy millimeter screen. And they want to get rid of the seventy millimeter. Come on. Maybe they'll change their mind after this. I think it was a good call to push for because it's packed. Like it's it's crazy. Oh yeah, how many people are checking this movie out? Like our theater. There's like four theaters in Canada playing it in seventy millimeter. I think four or five. Yeah. Well, he was telling us that. uh, Yeah, he was telling us there's only thirty in all of North America. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, he was proud of that. That this was one of only thirty in all of North America that's uh, playing this in seventy millimeter. Like you know, he. uh, 
I, I, don't, I don't really know who that guy was, but you know, I fucking respect that dude. He, he clearly loves film. He's, he must be a big Nolan head. He seemed uh, pretty proud about that. Yeah. That's everything for this podcast. You know, uh, go check out Barbenheimer, Mission Impossible, uh, you know, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, Tristan, sh- should they check out the new Indiana Jones movie? You can skip that. I'll be on Disney Plus soon. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Like I said, the action to adventure ratio is not where you want it to be for Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah I was bummed to hear that. I kind of thought me and you would actually secretly like it. I was hoping to like yeah. it. So I went to see it in theaters. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be disappointed if I don't see it in theaters and I end up liking it because it's the kind of movie we want to see in the theaters, especially if it's a good one. And they, uh, I thought it got silly. Yeah, that, that's too bad. Do, do you think I would like it? No. Oh, no. <laughs> I really don't. Oh, no. What, 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 do you, what do you think I'd give it out of five if you had to make a random guess? Like, how like, much I, do you think I, maybe, I don't know. Two and a half, maybe three. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, I'll, okay. That's good. Yeah, like it's not terrible. Like there's there's parts I like. Yeah. Oh well, boy. By the way, I uh, watched The Flash. Yeah. I saw that uh, two days ago, and and that movie is horrible. Terrible. That's <laughs> not good. Eh? So it was way like it looks way worse than I thought it would look. And honestly, to me, my issue wasn't even the bad CGI. Like I can I can forgive it. It was everything else. It wasn't the bad CGI. It was bad art direction. They had the last final act take place on a patch of dirt. Yeah. The whole final act was just a patch of dirt. That's not bad CGI. That's just a stupid decision. Right? Yeah. Like, why would you have it there? It's the worst location for a final battle. That was horrendous. Um, it was so bad. The story was almost as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, maybe a little worse than I was expecting, but I knew it was going to be a bad story going in. And I heard the CGI was bad, but like, I'll tell you, Tristan, that CGI was like, it was rough. One of the worst things I've seen. This $300 million movie? what i couldn't believe what i was watching like that's insane like if you told me it was like a tv budget then you know they tried that's good like you right? know what yeah like, like i get budget really research, right? I understand. Yeah, like but- i watched twister for the first time the other day there cgi in that movie also not very good but it was 1993 i can forgive him for it this yeah, is 2023 uh, what are yeah. we doing here yeah, I literally just watched a movie mars attacks yesterday uh which is from 1996 and the cgi uh, is not good, but I would actually say it's probably still better than the Flash CGI. Like, it's not that bad. It's just not great. But like, I'm very like, I don't need the CGI to be good. Like, just li- no. like whatever the budget is, whatever the year is. Like, I already have my expectation. And then you know what? It could be like mediocre CGI in a film from like 1992, and I'll be like, you know what? That's actually pretty good CGI. <laughs> like, right? just, like, it doesn't have to be perfect. I like, I just need to like know the budget and the year, and I kind of have my expectation. And right now, 2023. A two hundred plus million dollar budget. I, I have an expectation. This was like yeah. a five million dollar budget from like two thousand and ten, and I would be like, oh, "Okay, you know, the Flash tried, but like, no, they they didn't try. <laughs> this no. is horrible. Like, it's really bad. Like, this might be like top ten worst looking movies I've seen in a while. Like, it's yeah, it's really bad looking. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, like the the final fight in the desert just looks horrendous, and the way the Flash moves, it looks so bad. Like, I don't know how they were animating that. It looks really horrendous. Like, it looks worse than the Justice League 2017 Flash movement, and that looked horrible. But, like, it looks even worse here. Like, yeah. I just don't understand it what they were doing. It worse than the Flash TV show, and that was a cable network TV show. Well, why is that looking better than, than a big-budget action? Yeah. It's really mind-blowing, the decisions that they made in this movie. It's, like, they chose everything wrong. Like, it's just really yeah. not good. Yeah, so many bad decisions. It was not a good movie. And I was wanting to like it. I like superhero movies. I was wanting there to be a Flash movie. I never... I, 
And I don't like Ezra Miller. He played the two main characters, not just the main character. He played the two main characters. Yeah. And neither one of them were acted well. No, no, they they're both really bad. I heard Supergirl and Batman were good in it, but I I, I didn't even think that they were that good in it. Like I don't. Really I always like Michael Keaton. Eh, this is easily his like worst performance. I, he's kind of just there for the check. He doesn't look great. What an absolute snoozer! Honestly, one of the worst theories. It was bad. It was not a good movie. And like I thought it was gonna be like a multiverse movie. It wasn't. It was just a generic superhero movie where I guess they just it took place on a different universe than the universe it started on. Yeah. And that was it really. It wasn't actually like a multiverse movie. They just went to another universe and had a generic superhero movie there. And then came back. And that was the movie. Yeah, I was actually shocked. I thought it was a multiverse movie, but they just go to right? one universe and they just stay in that universe. Yeah. And honestly, that was also my complaint with Multiverse of Madness, and that was multiverse right in the name. Yeah. Yeah, that's so weird that these movies are trying to do this multiverse thing, but they don't really do it, except for They're too afraid to actually use it. Yeah, except for Into the Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse. Obviously, they use it to an extremely great effect. And also, No Way Home, I guess, probably does it third best for superhero uh, movies. I, I, still, I still hate how No Way Home does it, because it's so fake. How it's just, oh, it's just the Sony universe and the, uh, it, like, it's just Toby's universe and Andrew Garfield's universe. Like, it's, it doesn't even feel universal, because it's just, oh, it's just the IPs. Like, it's, it's just yeah, the people you know. Fair. Like, even if they just added, like, one other Spider-Man, then it'd be like, oh, I guess now it feels like universes are colliding, but it just feels like IPs are colliding. Like, it really feels like they're just selling toys. It feels so fake. Yeah, no one's done it correctly. Like, it's crazy how this is the phases of DC and Marvel where they're going multiversal, and I think the reason why they're floundering is they just can't make a good multiverse movie. Like, Loki actually does it the best. And I hate Loki, but like... And Loki, they don't even claim to be about multiverse. They're all about, like, timelines or whatever, right? They never use multiverse at all as a term in Loki. Right, well, I guess it's the same thing, right? But it's just, like, different variants. It's the same thing. Yeah. Different variants of Loki. That's done way better, because it's, you know, we got a crocodile Loki, you know, you got an older Loki. Loki, Loki. yeah. Like, it's way better than No Way Home, which is just, you know, oh, this is an IP you know, or way, way better than the multiverse of Madness and Flash, which is just they go to one location, and look, it's a little different. Like, the stoplights now turn green if you stop instead of red. Like, you know, yeah, it's really bad how they've been using multiverse. Like, I guess Loki does it the best, but, like, I, you know, me and you both think that's a pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. It's you know, no everything ever all at once, huh? I know, and maybe that's why it just seems really, really bad in comparison, because everything ever all at once does multiverse incredibly well in a shorter runtime with only one piece of film to represent it. And they have and like a smaller budget. <laughs> and a smaller budget. smaller budget, and it does it so much. That's better. true. Yeah, you brought so it back to better. the budget. Yeah, like the Flash had like how much more money on this movie than everything Probably everywhere? Double. Yeah. I'd say at least double. Oh well, yeah, you know, at least double. I think yeah, a bit over double, like crazy. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how they keep butchering the multiverse. I don't really know why it's so hard to do. I feel they're too afraid to take risks. Like obviously, everything ever all at once. Like, some people just aren't going to get that movie because it kind of goes all over the place. So some people aren't going to like it because of that. They, they took risks with that film, but they paid off really, really well. Same with Spider-Verse. And I feel like when you have a $200 million budget, you can't take a risk. You have to play that safe with $200 million. So they play it too safe and give us a generic schlop and no one likes it. Yeah, and actually, now that we're talking about it, I think The Flash handles it the worst. Yeah, no, it's, it's not even a multiverse movie. They just go to the next door and have a superhero movie there instead. Yeah, because like, No Way Home is just, oh, 
multiverse is just an ip you know from the past it's just nostalgia universe and then in multiverse of madness it's oh we're just going to go to one universe and call it a multiverse film and the flash is both it is oh look it's an ip you know previously we're just going to bait your nostalgia universe but it's also only going to be one universe that we're going to pretend is a multiversal movie like they kind of they did both things and they did it both poorly like you know it's such a bad piece of media i'm shocked that they kept going with it like they could have just scrapped it and said oh you know all the issues with ezra and james gunn's now taking control you know like all the changes nobody would bat an eye right but yeah they scrapped batgirl instead like how bad was batgirl that's the one they didn't want to release yeah it couldn't be worse than this right it couldn't the james gunn has come out to say that this is the best superhero film ever made so you know so did tom cruise tom cruise said that for the flash he said something. He was saying it was incredible. There's no way Tom Cruise saw the Flash. And that's why. Well, he said it before he even released. He's like, I read the script, guys. This is this is gonna be incredible. <laughs> and I'm like, why is Tom Cruise? In my mind, I in my mind, I'm like, man, this has got to be good. Why else would Tom Cruise be out here saying it's not even his movie? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And Tom Cruise would never hype up a superhero movie. Now, now you know what. Maybe I was wrong about the Flash. I should give it a second chance if Tom Cruise likes it. <laughs> Maybe I mean, he's right. Maybe he's on to something. I didn't know that he uh, that he was a fan. You know what? It's a pretty good movie now that I think about it. Yeah, Tom Cruise says so. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't know about Tom Cruise, but yeah, you know, I thought the movie was going to be kind of good, and James Gunn is just doing marketing. But like, I don't even know why James Gunn would say that. Like, there's no way he actually thinks this is the best. So bad. Yeah, it's but it's so bad. Like, why would you even say that? You're just going to be it's ruining the best movie in theaters right now best superhero movie theaters right now let alone the best superhero movie of all time yeah it's uh, arguably the worst film uh the worst superhero film this year but you know it is arguable oh. because ant-man the wasp quantumanium oh. and shazam 2 exist Those oh are really- yeah i even forgot i forgot i keep forgetting about shazam <laughs> that's like the running joke i bring it up every podcast tristan goes oh yeah <laughs> I, I completely wiped that movie from all memory yeah of the three which one would you say is the worst they're all bad they're all really bad. Yeah, the the Flash pisses me off the most. I'll probably pick that one. But the Shazam two is so forgettable. Yeah, I think Shazam two is still a bit worse, but Shazam two, that's fair. They're pretty bad. Anyways, that is everything on our end. Uh, you know, don't check out the Flash or Indiana Jones. Maybe wait till those pop up on streaming. But definitely go check out all things Barbenheimer, which I'm sure everyone has. Go check out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is coming out soon. And have a fantastic day, guys.